0: you can learn a child's love language by the time they're three or four years old by observing their behavior so it's there very early in a child's life and i think every child has a primary language and it's so important that we learn what it is and speak it
1: if god has called you to be a parent then he has called you to something amazing and terrifying and messy and stressful and isolating but i am here to tell you that you are not alone. I'm Summer Shepherd, and this is No Seriously, How Do I Do This? If men are from Mars, where are kids from? I mean, we all accept the fact that kids can be super weird. Maybe it's because I'm a mom of mostly girls, but my kids are super moody, like they're swings. It's hard to even keep track of them. They'll be playing one minute, And then they'll be yelling or crying the next. And then they're playing right after that, or they're hugging you, or they're storming away and slamming a door. It's like, it's hard to keep up. And sometimes, especially in those moments, you just throw your hands in the air and you say, ugh, kids, who can understand them? And you walk away. And sometimes you do that for your own survival. But occasionally I find myself doing that because it's easy. But what if there's an opportunity that I'm missing? Dr. Gary Chapman, maybe that's a name that's familiar to you. He wrote The Five Love Languages. And it's so funny. This book has had such an impact. Millions and millions and millions of copies of this book sold. But usually we consider the five love languages, the ways that we communicate and receive love in the context of a dating relationship or a marriage. And as we are heading into Valentine's Day, you know, our mind is already there. But he wrote another version of that book called The Five Love Languages. Of Children, a book that is meant to help you relate to your kids. And so, in preparation for the interview I knew I was going to have for him, I set my kids down and I'm like, all right, I, I want to see if I can figure them out. Because apparently I'm supposed to be able to. <laughs> Here, here's how that went I started with Arwen, because if you've ever listened before, you know, Arwen pretty much just parrots her sister. So, I interviewed them separately and I started with her. I beg you. What, mommy? I have a very important question for you. And I want you to tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. Do you think that I love you? Yes. Can you tell me uh, why you think I love you? Like, how do you know? Because you told me. Because I told you that I love you. What other things make you feel loved? Oh, hugs. Mm -hmm. Hugs make you feel loved. I have a question. Would it mean more to you if I, I'm going to give you a list, okay? So listen to the whole list. What would you like more? If I told you I loved you, if I gave you a hug, if I gave you a present. Give me a present. (laughs) If I spent time with you or if I helped you with something. Which one makes you feel loved the most? Uh,
0: are you telling me that you said you love
1: me? Me telling you that I love you—that's what makes you feel loved the most? Hmm. Very interesting, <laughs> daughter of mine. <laughs> Thank you for answering my questions. Oh, I love your hugs. Of course, you. Mwah. So the good news is that I got some really epic hugs out of that session. But I didn't necessarily feel like I was any closer to understanding Arwen's love language. So words is up there, but also physical touch, maybe presence. Figured maybe I'd have a little bit more luck with her sister. Come here. I want to ask you a question, Aurelia. Mama. Do you know that you're loved? Yeah. I always know that. Why are you even saying that? (laughs) Okay, okay. How do you know that you're loved?
0: Because I have a great family.
1: But how do you know that we love you? I don't know. You don't know? No. Okay, so if someone at school were to be like, does your mommy and daddy love you, what would you say? I would say yes. And if they said, how do you know, what would you say?
0: I would say, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, do we tell you that you, we love you? Uh mm-hmm. When we tell you that we love you, does that make you feel loved?
0: Not quite.
1: No? Why not? I <sighs> don't know. Okay, okay, okay. Hold up. What? I mean, up to this exact moment in my life, <laughs> I thought my daughter was words of affirmation. I mean, she is so good with words, I was 100% sure I had her pegged. And now, back to the drawing board. When we hug you, does that make you feel loved?
0: One more thing.
1: What? Starts with a K. When we give kisses? Yes! <laughs> Can I hug you right now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I love you. I mean, don't get me wrong, y'all. I am here for the hugs and kisses, right? But now now he's got to figure this whole thing out. So maybe it's physical touch, but who really knows? What would you rather have? Would you rather have mommy and daddy? I'm going to give you a list, okay? Would you rather have us tell you we love you? Would you rather have us give you lots of hugs and kisses? Would you rather us give you a present to show that we love you? Would you rather we spend time with you or to help you with something? What would show you that we love you the most? Spending time. Okay, so maybe not physical touch. You want to spend time with us? That would show you that we love you? All the things. All the things? Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah you're a big help, Aurelia. You're so demanding. My guess I'll just start with the kisses. <laughs> I love you, buddy. I hope you uh, never <laughs> forget. What do you think of the I love the most of the list of things? Ugh, kid, that is the problem. I have no idea. Hmm, I don't know. You tell me. No, you try to guess. Uh, hugs and kisses? Thumbs up? Oh, good. And then tell me another one. Spending time? Yeah. Okay. Then you made my job so easy. <laughs> and then- Call me another one. And then you like it when we give you gifts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> hmm. Okay. I guess I did better than I thought. <laughs> I mean, but it, there's no denying it. Kids are mysterious, kids are these exciting little treasure maps because it's not about the destination, it's about journeying along. Finding the next clue, and as you get closer and closer to that that big discovery, the big unveil, you realize how much fun you've been having all along. But I want to do this parenting thing better, and I know you do too. That's why you're listening, right? Because no seriously, how do I do this? So I am super honored. I am so excited to be welcoming the Dr. Gary Chapman onto today's show. Gary is an award-winning author, a prolific public speaker. His books have sold millions and millions and millions of copies. Five Love Languages has been on the bestseller list for the New York Times since 2007. So so join me in welcoming esteemed therapist, author, speaker, believer, podcaster, radio host, Dr. Gary Chapman. So, Dr. Chapman, I just finished your book, The Five Love Languages of Children, and I—I I thought I knew about the love languages. I—I I talk about them with everyone. I was actually even in the audience when you were on Oprah <laughs> talking about them.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: I did not get a car. You know, I'm not you know resentful or anything, but uh, <laughs> but I was surprised on how much my brain was actually stretched by this book when I considered parenting through the five love languages lens. I mean, there was a lot I hadn't considered there. This just felt a lot different to me.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, the the marriage relationship, which the original book I wrote to married couples, uh, is different from a parent-child relationship. But the fundamental need is the same. And that is the need, the emotional need to feel loved by the other person. And so the five love languages essentially uh, helps a parent effectively love the children.
1: So to start where I suppose we should start, for people who maybe aren't familiar with the five love languages, what are they?
0: One of them is words of affirmation. You, know, it's a, you can focus on the, the way the child looks. You know, I like your muscles. <laughs> or <laughs> I really like your smile. When you smile, you're beautiful. Uh, you can focus on something they have done for you. I really appreciate you helping me with uh, the laundry or helping me with whatever. Uh, You can focus on uh, some characteristic about them that you like. You know what I like is when you meet new people, you look them in the eye and you talk to them. I really like that about you. So it can focus on anything, but it's giving them affirming words. And for some children, this is what makes them feel loved, words of affirmation. A second uh, love language is acts of service, doing something for uh, the child that you know they would like for you to do. It may be when they're smaller, uh, mending a doll dress. Uh, They get a little older, it may be fixing a bicycle chain, Uh, but it's doing things for them. And obviously we speak this language from the moment the child is born, Uh, you know, as an infant we're doing everything for them because they can't do anything. We put the food in, we take the food out. I mean, we, we do it all. Uh, but as the child gets older, uh, you are doing other things for them. And you are saying to, to them as you do that, you know you know why I do this? Because I love you so much. And if a child's, if this is their primary language, you're serving them is gonna speak loudly to them. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says they were thinking about me. Look what they got for me. You go on a business trip and you buy them something and bring it home. Go to the grocery store and you buy something, especially you know that they like. It can be a little gift. It doesn't have to be expensive gifts, but gifts is a love language. And then there's quality time. Giving the child your undivided attention. When you're talking to a child and your telephone rings, what do you do as a parent? Do you answer the phone? Mm-hmm. If so, you're saying to that child, somebody out there is more important than you. Listen, that's what voicemail is all about. Give the child your undivided attention. And for some children, this is what makes them feel love. When you're looking at them, they have your full attention. And the number five is physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies, hold them, kiss them, cuddle them long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love. The baby feels love a physical touch. So, out of those five, the basic idea is that a child will have a primary love language. And if you don't speak the primary, you don't give heavy doses of the primary, they may not feel loved, even though you're expressing some of the other languages. So, the question to parents is, not do you love your children by nature parents love their children the question is does your child feel loved and uh, this concept and understanding your child's primary love language helps you effectively communicate love to them on an emotional level and you meet that deep need to feel loved
1: so your belief is that everybody has a primary love language that we fall into one of these categories what about what about you and your family What does your dynamic look like?
0: Um, My love language is words of affirmation. My wife's love language is acts of service. I wish I had known that when we got married. (laughs) (laughs) Because what I did was spoke my language to her. I gave her words of affirmation. Told her how nice she looked, how much I appreciated what she did. I told her a dozen times a day, I love you, honey. I am so glad I married you. And one day she said, you know, you, you keep on saying, I love you, I love you. If you love me, why don't you help me? <laughs> and I was blown out of the saddle. I knew nothing about love languages, of course, in those days. But uh, essentially what she was saying is, if you really love me, you'd help me with the dishes, you'd help me with the vacuuming, you'd help me do things around here. Uh, so we missed each other and we had a lot of struggles in our marriage. But eventually we learned, you know, and, uh, and then our daughter, uh, her love language is quality time. And our son's love language is physical touch. And actually, you can learn a child's love language by the time they're three or four years old by observing their behavior. For example, when my son was about four, I would come home from work. He would run to the door, grab my leg, and climb on me. He's touching me because he wants to be touched. Our daughter never did that. She would say, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. She wanted quality time. So it's there very early in a child's life. And I think every child has a primary language. And it's so important that we learn what it is and speak it.
1: Now, I think it's really interesting that you are words and your wife is acts. Because for my husband and I, it's, it's that same dynamic as that I'm words, he's acts. <laughs> acts is my least. I mean, I feel so selfish <laughs> even saying that but it does not come natural. I mean, I will write him notes. I'll tell him how awesome he is. And he's like, awesome. Could you empty the dishwasher?
0: <laughs> oh, I'm
1: trying. <laughs> but, but Gary, when it comes to our kids, so I have four kids. I oh, have yeah. a six-year-old, well, almost six. I have a freshly turned four-year-old and then I have, well, five-month-old twins. So oh, oh. I, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Divergent, but that's the way I feel about my kids. I'm reading these chapters and I can point to specific instances where I'm like, oh, they are definitely physical touch, a hundred (laughs) percent gifts, words of affirmation, all the way. I feel like I know less now than I did. (laughs) But you're saying there is a category. How do I find it?
0: How do you find the primary? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one way is to observe their behavior. That is, how do they respond to you and other people? And that's what I just illustrated with my two children. Mm -hmm. But another way is to uh, listen to their complaints. For example, a mother said to me recently, my six-year-old boy said to me, Mommy, we don't ever go to the park anymore since the baby came. What's his language? Quality time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He and his mother used to go to the park together. He had her undivided attention. It was just the two of them. Now the baby's here, and they're not going to the park, and he's complaining about it. The complaint reveals the love language. And then secondly, what do they request of you most often? For example, our daughter, when she was uh, 10, 10 and in the teenage years, she would say, Daddy, can we take a walk after dinner? She'd say that a couple of days, a couple of times a week. She's asking me for quality time. just the two of us taking a walk together. My son never asked that. In fact, he would say about us, he'd say, walking is dumb. You're not going anywhere. If you're going somewhere, drive. (laughs) What he would ask for is, Dad, can we go play basketball? And the way we played basketball in the backyard, it was physical, okay? (laughs) We ran into each other. (laughs) So uh, what do they ask you for most often? So those are three clues. Now, uh, as the child gets a little older, you can also, there are other approaches you can take. Uh, For example, you can give them choices between two things. You can say, you know, honey, I have an hour uh, that I could do something with you. I tell you what, we could take a walk in the woods or at the park, or we could go to the store and buy you those uh, shoes you wanted. Which one do you want to do? One is a gift and the other is quality time. And you just give them options like that along the way for a few months. And you'll find that their requests begin to fall into one category more than another category. Uh, And then here's another option. Experiment. Go for one week, and if you have both parents in the home, you both agree that this week we're going to focus on words of affirmation. Going to give this child words of affirmation overboard. Then we're going to draw back on the weekend. And then next week, we're going to do one of the other languages. And you just work through all five of them in five weeks. On the week when you're speaking their primary language, you will see a difference in their behavior. It will be obvious to you. So, those are at least some ways in which you can determine a child's uh, love language.
1: I think it's really interesting because I thought I had them pegged. I was pretty sure my older was words of affirmation and that my younger wasn't because I would tell her, you know, I loved her. She's beautiful. And she always kind of just seemed, oh, thanks. That's great. But what gave me a different clue was she started lying to me she she's still she's gonna hate me for saying this and she listens to this when she's older but she's four, and she still struggles sometimes with nighttime potty training Uh and so in the mornings she would come in and she'd be like mommy I had a dry diaper and we'd celebrate and then I started finding out after like a week that she was not being truthful Mm. but I determined it's because I celebrated her so much. And I told her how proud I was of her that she desperately wanted that for me. So then I started celebrating her being honest, yeah. that even if she was, you know, not successful, that as long as she told me the truth, I would celebrate that. And so we haven't had that same issue. So now I'm, I'm curious, but I just feel like I'm still figuring it out. Now with yeah. kids, is it possible that they change or they morph?
0: Well, I think, uh, I think a child tends to keep the, the love language uh, throughout lifetime, throughout a lifetime, basically. Uh, but I do think in the early years, uh, we need to give them all five languages uh, because we want the child to learn how to receive love in all five and then give love in all five. That's the healthiest adult. Mm-hmm. Most of us did not receive all five love languages growing up and we came to adulthood and we didn't know how to speak some of these languages. Uh, so uh, please don't hear me saying that we should only speak the child's primary love language no we give heavy doses of the primary but we sprinkle in the other four because we want that child to learn that there are more than one way to express love and we want them to learn how to speak all these love languages so uh, in the early in the early years there it may be a little confusing as to you know one might seem to be standing out at one time another standing out at another time but as you keep working at it, you'll begin to see, no, no, this one definitely is their primary language. It's very interesting. I was talking to uh, a couple some time ago, and they said, Dr. Samuel, we've been reading the book, you know The Five Love Languages of Children, and it has so opened our eyes to our two daughters. She said that they're just a year apart, and uh, when we would go on a trip, my husband and I, we would, we would always buy each of the girls a gift and we'd buy them the same gift. Like if we bought teddy bears, we'd buy two teddy bears. We'd bring them home, different colors, you know, of course, and give them to the girls. And one of them would just, oh, this is so wonderful. And she would just talk about the bear. She would give the bear a name. She'd put it at a special place in her room. And when her grandmother came over, she would show her her her, her bear. And the other daughter would just kind of take the bear and say, oh, well, thank you. And she'd throw it over on the bed. And that was it. And we thought, She's not grateful. You know, one of them is grateful and the other is not grateful. When we read the book, we realized they had different love languages. The one that just threw it over on the bed and said, thank you. She would say, mommy, I want to see your pictures. I want to see your pictures. She wanted to sit down and let me show her the pictures we made on our trip. She wanted quality time and maybe physical touch. You know, they're sitting together on the couch, close together on the couch. Uh, and she said, then we realized it wasn't that she wasn't thankful. It's just that she didn't make a big deal of it because that was not her primary love language. So it does help you understand your children better if you understand the concept.
1: Would you say that there's some that are trickier than others, like a finer line? You mentioned in the book the risk of coddling with acts of service. Um, but I mean, I can see physical touch being a super, well, touchy (laughs) issue and and words of affirmation, gifts. I mean, all of them, really. What precautions would you give?
0: Well, I think, uh, especially with teenagers, uh, they can manipulate you if they understand this concept. And we want them to understand the concept. You know, daddy has a love language. Mama has a love language. Sister has a love language. But teenagers will say, you know, my gift is, you know, my love language is gifts. And if you really love me, you'd get me that ball glove. (laughs) or you'd get me that phone, you know? Uh, And what I say to parents is, remember, you're the parent, they're the child. We give gifts that we believe would be helpful to them. and, And we give gifts that we believe they're ready to receive. That is, you don't give a phone to a child just because they say, if you love me, you'd get me that phone. No, you say, honey, I love you too much to give you that phone because I don't think you're ready for it yet. Well, I, everybody in my room has one. Well, they all have different mothers and dads, okay? And so they have to do what their mom, mom and dad, but but I do what I believe is best for you because I love you. So don't let teenagers manipulate you, Is I guess is the point I'm trying to make here.
1: Do you think it's it's possible to spoil a child or stifle them by over-delivering? Now, the gifts, I, I totally see. But what about words of affirmation, for example?
0: Well, I, I think so long as you also point out, you know, things that need to change in their lives, it's not that we're going to affirm everything they do, but we are going to look for things that we can affirm them about. It needs to be sincere always because teenagers especially can recognize insincerity. So we want to be looking for things that we can affirm them for. And what I would say is this also, affirm them for effort, not for perfection. Mm. And uh, I illustrate that because Uh, I remember I was visiting a young 13 year old who was in the hospital with stomach ulcers. And in my effort to find out what might be going on, I said to him, how do you and your dad get along? And he said, I don't ever please my father. Mm. And I said, can you give me an example? He said, if I make a B on my report card, my father will say, you should have made an A you're smarter than this. And later on, he said, if I make a double when I'm playing ball, my father will say, you should have made a triple out of that, boy. You got to learn how to run. And later on, he said, uh, let's see, what was the other one? It's not coming to my mind. but right? Anyway, he gave me another example. And, and I realized I knew his father and I knew what his father was trying to do. He was trying to motivate him to do his best. But you understand what the child was hearing. I don't ever please my father. Yeah. So, yeah. And what I say is this, The time to help a child bring a B up to an A on their report card is not the day they bring the report card home. That's the day you praise them for the B. Next week, you say, you know, it was really good you made a B on that uh, math or whatever. I wonder what we could do to bring it up to an A minus. And they're with you because you didn't condemn them for the B. You praise them for the B. Now you're trying to help them move up the ladder. So I think that's an important concept for parents to, to remember. Otherwise, uh, they can, in their efforts to stimulate the child to do better, uh, they can really be pushing the child down.
1: Yeah. Now, Now, earlier you gave us some ideas on specific ways that we could love each of the love languages. And you do that in the book, too, at the end of each chapter. Now, I was honestly surprised on how certain things were categorized, like giving a special painting was considered words of affirmation, whereas I would have seen that as a gift. But there were other things that fell into almost every category, like fixing their favorite meal that fell under gifts and acts of service. It could be quality time if you did it together. Is it possible that there are singular acts that can fit the needs of maybe several of your children that have different love languages?
0: I think so. You know, uh, I like to say that within every language, there are many dialects similar to spoken language. you know, All of us grew up speaking a language with a dialect, and that's the one we understand best. I grew up speaking English, Southern style, okay? (laughs) But all of us grew up speaking a language with a dialect. And the same thing is true with love. There are different dialects within all of these languages. And you are right. Uh, There are some of them that would fit both categories. Uh, But if we think in terms of the child's primary love language, uh, then whatever we're speaking, we're looking for ways to do it, and we might use different ways at different times. Uh, I think one of the other things that uh, that would be important to uh, to say also is that uh, when you're giving uh, when you're giving gifts, for example, make sure you're giving something that you really do believe would be good for the child at that time. And not just something that you want them to have, because you're if you're a gift giver, you might overdo that with a child. Uh, but if you remember, it doesn't have to be a big gift. If they have a special candy, for example, and you go to the grocery store, and you bring them home just one little, you know, uh, short bar of candy that happens to be their favorite, that really communicates to them that you were thinking about them and you knew that was their favorite candy. So the better you know what type of gift that they appreciate. And the other thing I would say about acts of service is not only do we speak this language by doing things for our children, but we also, as they get a little older, speak this language by teaching them how to do things for themselves. A six-year-old can make up a bed. Not exactly like you make it up, but they can make up a bed. And you're doing them a great service by teaching them to make up their bed every morning. Uh, So, uh, And I say, if you've got kids that are, I don't know, 10, 12, 13, ask them the question, what would you like to learn how to do before you get to be 18 or before you graduate from high school? What would you like to learn to do? And they have different interests. And one of them may want to learn one thing, another may want to learn something else. But if you know their interests, you can then teach them. And when you're teaching them how to do that, you are serving them and loving them at the same time.
1: Oh, I love that. <laughs> and, well, and, and I've got to tell you, there was a chapter here that really kind of caught me off guard. I hadn't considered disciplining within mm-hmm. the love languages. I mean, obviously, I'm when I'm studying this with my husband, it's like you said a very different approach. Now, there was one thing that you wrote you said when your child is truly sorry for her misbehavior instead of punishing, forgive her. And I think I always kind of grew up with that whole, we need to know that there are consequences to our behaviors, et cetera. But I, I, I underlined that. And I I swear to goodness, Dr. Chapman, I finished reading this book. I go to hand it to my husband. I said, I want you to read the chapter on discipline and the chapter on anger. Like those are the two I want you to focus on. He's sitting on the couch reading it. My daughter comes out. And she's crying and she goes, mommy, I'm so sorry that she had lied about something small. I never would have known, but she decided that she needed to confess that to me. And she tells me how she lied. And that line came back to me because I'm like, you know what? This isn't a time to show her that actions have consequences. This is a time to show her grace and forgiveness. And I was so proud of her. That she came out to me on her own like that. So that just really, the Lord used that chapter (laughs) at the right time. Now, what are some other cautions that you would give regarding disciplining in the frame of this love language thing? Well,
0: there's a couple of things. One is understand that when you use a child's primary love language as a means of discipline, it really speaks deeply. And may well hurt that child. For example, let's say that uh, quality time is the child's love language. And your method of discipline is because you did that, you have to go to your room for 20 minutes and you can't come out of your room for 20 minutes. You isolate the child. Their language is quality time. You're giving them the opposite of quality time. And that is strong, strong discipline to that child. Another child, you can do the same thing, send them to their room. They go in there and start playing. They don't even know that you're disciplining them. They're in there having fun. So uh, keep in mind, uh, for example, if, if, if you speak harshly with harsh words to a child whose love language is words of affirmation and you yell at them in anger, it's like a dagger in their heart. Yeah. So be careful how you use their primary language as means of discipline. Here, here's another suggestion I make on discipline. Whenever you have a rule or guidelines on what the child can do and not do, why don't we determine what the discipline will be before they break the rule? For example, if you say to a child, now we have one rule about the ball. We don't throw the ball inside the house, okay? We throw the ball outside in the yard, but never throw the ball in the house because you might break something. So if you throw the ball in the house, then the ball has to go in the trunk of the car for two days and you don't get to play with it. And if you break something, we'll have to pay for it out of your allowance, okay? A child can understand that if they're six or seven, even eight years old, they can understand that. So if it happens, now you know and the spouse knows what the consequences are. So you can administer the discipline in love. And what you say to the child is, you know, Johnny, I really appreciate the fact that you seldom break the rules. I mean, really. But you know you broke that rule and you threw the ball in the house and you know what happened. You you knocked the vase off and it broke. So uh, I think you remember what the consequences are, right? We have to put the ball in the trunk of the car for two days. And I don't know what the vase will cost, but we'll have to find out and start taking it out of your allowance, okay? But listen, I appreciate the fact that you so seldom break the rules. I love you so much. You see, you wrap the discipline in love. If, For example, if his words is words of affirmation, you gave him affirming words before, you administered it with calmness, and you wrapped it on the other side with his, with his love language. So if you can think in terms of everybody knowing what the consequences is before the rule is ever violated, you're less likely to overreact depending on your own emotional state at the moment. And the child is going to realize the whole thing. If when I break a rule, there's consequences. And that's an important lesson because that's true in all of life. Uh, we, we go down the road speeding and we get a speed ticket. We have to pay. So, uh, but wrapping it in love, wrapping it in the child's primary love language, the discipline, it's far more effective the child feels loved even in the midst of uh, receiving the discipline.
1: And what if I'm listening and, and I can see the wisdom in that, but this is new to me and my kids are grown and I look back and I see maybe some of the damage that was done and they're out of the house. Like I don't even have them under my roof anymore. Is it too late? Is there anything that can be done for adult children now that I understand this concept?
0: You no, know, it's never too late to seek healing. And that begins with an apology. It's when you are with that adult child and you say to them, you know, I've been thinking a lot about my past as a mother and and as a wife, and I'm really trying to learn and grow. And I I think one of the things that have come to my mind is that I really didn't do a very good job with whatever, and you you share it with them. And and so I'm asking you, how, how do you remember all of that? And how did it make you feel whenever I did that or I didn't do that? And you let that adult child tell you you know what they thought what they felt at that thing and then you just say you know honey i am so sorry i'm looking back and feeling so sorry that i didn't i I was doing what i knew or i was doing you know uh, just trying to operate with all the pressure that i had but i I can't excuse it and i i'm i just want to ask you now as an adult if you can find in your heart to forgive me for my failures in that area there are very few adult children that will not forgive a parent who comes with a sincere and honest apology that comes from reflection on those earlier years. And it doesn't mean that all the adult children will, will come back and, you know, be uh, reconciled with you, but they'll walk away and think, boy, I never thought I'd hear that coming out of their mouth. It has a way of touching their heart, and you may well find that the wall will begin to break down.
1: Oh. I think learning how to apologize to our children is one of the most important and difficult things we can do. And and there's a lot of things that we put on our shoulders and carry burdens for as parents. And I'll say with young kids, the biggest one I feel is, is teaching my children about God. I mean, I want so badly for them to know him for the right reasons in the right way. I want to spare the mistakes I made. How can understanding your child's love language inform how you... Teach them about God?
0: Well, I think all of us who are Christians want our children to learn about God. And that's why I think that when they're little, reading Bible stories to them on a regular basis, that is, have a routine at night where we read a Bible story and then we pray. What we did with our children, we read the Bible story together. We just had two, a boy and a girl, they were four years apart. Uh, But then we would pray with them individually when we put them to bed. Uh, my wife or I one would walk the, go to, to the bed with them and get on our knees beside the bed, and we would pray and we would let the child pray. As they got old enough, we let them pray, and that was a routine. And our children look back on that and remember that and talk about that. You know how much that meant to them. Our daughter said to me, "Dad, that's where I learned to pray, it was those 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 times with you at night and mom at night." Uh, and then I think practicing what we read in the Bible and the things we're trying to teach our children about kindness and loving other people, trying to practice that in front of them toward each other, husband and wife, as well as toward the children. And then, as you mentioned, apologizing when we don't. For example, if a father loses his temper with his wife and speaks harshly to her in front of the children, it's not enough to apologize to her that night. The next night or the next time the family's together, I suggest he stand behind his wife's chair at the table and say to the children, I know that last night you heard me. I lost my temper with your mother and I yelled at her and I spoke harshly to her. And I want you to know that last night before we went to bed, I apologized to your mother because no husband should ever speak that way to his wife. It's not like Jesus and not like Jesus taught us. And your mother forgave me." But tonight, I want to ask you children to forgive me because children should ha- not have to hear their father talk to their mother like that. So it was wrong. and I want to ask you to forgive me. You don't have to worry about your children forgiving you. They will forgive you. And they will never forget that you apologized when you did wrong. And you're teaching them a tremendous life skill, learning to apologize when your behavior hurts other people.
1: No. Thank you. And if if someone is new to all of this, where's a good place for them to start to wrap their mind, to educate themselves more on these love languages?
0: Well, if they're married, I would say start with the marriage relationship, the original book that I wrote called The Five Love Languages. And uh, that book has sold now over 15 million copies and translated in over 50 languages around the world. And so many people have said to me, Gary, it changed, it saved our marriage. We were at the point of divorce and we read that book and the lights came on. We looked back and realized how we had missed each other. We had not met the need for love. And that was the starting point. Uh, And then uh, if you're parents then, I think working on the marriage relationship really starts first because what that child needs is to see a mom and dad who love each other, who support each other, who apologize when they do wrong, and are working together as a team. That's the greatest thing you can do for your children. So I'd start there. And then you can obviously turn to the five love languages of children and begin to apply this to the children and helping the children understand it as well.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Chapman, for taking the time to kind of go there with us today to help us understand and and understand the importance of it. Uh, I really appreciate you being here.
0: Well, thank you, Summer. It was great to be with you. And thanks for all that you're doing for your family and trying to help other families.
1: Oh, it has been my absolute, absolute pleasure. Whether your children, your little mysteries are still at home, or whether your little mysteries have long since grown and flown the coop, children... They need the same thing from their parents. They need love. They need to know that they're loved. They need their love tanks filled. And I hope that today's episode helped you feel a little bit more equipped to do that. Answered some questions, gave you the tools you might need and cracking the code of your child, especially if their language is different from yours, because that is a challenge. It's a challenge in marriage and in relationships, but it is no less a challenge and no less important with our own kids. So if you are looking for additional resources, might I recommend fivelovelanguages.com? As I mentioned earlier, Dr. Chapman is a prolific author, and he has written so many books to help you on this journey. In fact, he's also very generous. And so I have five copies of the five love languages of children that I'm going to be giving away after today's show. So if you want to head online to seriouslyhow.com, you'll see all the information Uh, Right there, you'll be able to enter for your shot to win one of these books. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, to be a part of a community of other parents who genuinely have no idea how to do this thing. And if you want to connect with me deeper, summer at seriouslyhow.com. This episode of No Seriously, How Do I Do This? is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of University of Northwestern St. Paul. Thanks so much for listening, friends. And remember, you are loved and you are not alone.